Can that be our intro for this season? I just assumed you. There's no way in hell I can do that, but I just assumed that was you starting <laughs> this episode. So, hi, everybody. Joe, 11.57 a.m., January 30th, entering the RSS feed of Got It Memorized, a Twin Peaks podcast with a Kingdom Hearts quote for a title. Shouldn't be too hard to remember. I'm sure the hosts have a fun show. That's what I need. Fun show, reasonably paced. I'm Wheels, and this is Joe. How are you, Joe? You know, I just feel fine now. I got, like, my hair's white. <laughs> you woke up this morning, my hair's completely white, but I feel like a weight is lifted off my shoulders. Yeah, Anyone know the old standard, get happy? Oh, I, um, I, back to Twin Peaks. Yeah, I there's a scene where Leland does perform Pharrell's Happy from the film Despicable Me. Clap <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, along. What he says. I want to caveat at the top. People say they don't like this season. There's reason why. Uh, high highs and low lows is how I would describe the season. That's exactly right. I think there are about as many, because season one is just like eight great episodes. Yeah. I think there are eight great episodes in season two. There just also happen to be a lot of other episodes. Yep. And some of those ones are all in a row. But, you know, it it gets more episodes to breathe. And so it gets understand. to lean on its like, its soap opera-ness a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, which is sometimes bad, but don't worry about it. There's also a lot of good here. Um, there's there's a lot of things that I, I do think are just, like, parodying soap operas to a point that... Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, it's a soap opera, and then it starts to, like, go so over the top to parody itself. And then there's a lot of things in the season that I, I understand people not liking it. But, yeah, I again, high highs, low lows. This episode's kind of a knockout banger for me, though. So good. David Lynch is back directing. He is. I don't think we even really need to do any recap because... No, because Lucy does it like five minutes in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did you watch this Log Lady intro? Again, I'm watching the it on Canadian oh, yeah. streaming service Crave, which does oh, not thank, have these. Thank God it's still on Crave, yes. This one I've, I've only heard once as opposed to all the other ones, which I've now uh, heard twice because I rewatched season one before I watched. A good thing episode. to do. Yeah. Uh, still great, believe it or not. Uh, but yeah, she talks about uh, seeing through things, uh, things that are there but not visible, or like are there but can't be seen, which I think touches on several things in this episode, not just to, to echo what the giant says, he has been seen but not his body, which we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, but also just like, I think the giant himself is a thing that is there but cannot technically be seen because... I guess we should maybe just start talking about this this first scene. So good. The greatest. <laughs> I, 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 I joked, um, I, so I'm watching this with my boyfriend now who has not seen Twin Peaks. We, that's one of the reasons I rewatched season one is I was watching it with him. Yeah. But then we watched uh, this first episode of season two, and a lot of it is just a new character, uh, a guy who's an old waiter. He's just like doing bits. And I was like, I hope this whole episode, I, I wish this episode was just 90 minutes of this guy just going it's- out the room <laughs> and coming back into the room. So it's, if you recall, at the like basically the last thing that happens in the season finale of season one is mm-hmm. uh, after doing a bunch of investigating, Cooper goes back to his hotel room and he's about to turn in for the night and he gets shot. And that's basically where it ends with Andy over the phone you know, had contacted him, and you just hear him say, Agent Cooper! Agent Cooper! Because uh, he's dropped the phone because Cooper's been shot, but the gunman Andy just uh, leaves Andy yells for way longer than you would think. <laughs> yeah, huh? 
uh, dedicated, you know, like yeah. a dog. We'll uh-huh. go back to that later. Where is his water bowl? We still haven't found it. <laughs> so anyway, he, Cooper is sitting there bl- like he's OK. No, he's not OK. He's he has been shot, but he's not dead because he had his as his standard when you're working undercover. He had a bulletproof vest on. He mentions this, uh, but he ended mm-hmm. up rolling it up because right before he got shot because he was trying because a wood tick was on him. <laughs> so he got shot in the lower part of his body where he rolled up yeah. the, the bulletproof vest. Shot three uh, and then times, just, hit yeah. one. So he's lying there. And then you want to describe our friend that comes in? You kind of already did. Yeah, so there's an old waiter guy. He's not someone we've seen before. And I don't know if we see him again after this episode. The reason Cooper opened the door is because he was expecting room service to bring him some warm milk. And uh, now, after the long wait of season one to see, I actually don't think it was that long of a wait on television between season one and two. But uh, this old guy, you know, hovels in very slowly and he says, how you doing down there? (laughs) Seems nonplussed by Cooper's situation. Cooper is able to like at least bring himself into like eye contact with the man but that's about all the effort that he has uh our description cannot do justice of how long this feels to watch god it's it's amazing so funny the guy the guy it's supposed to be that the old man i guess can't see or hear well enough to tell that cooper's been shot and just thinks well this is a weird dude who's lying down and won't talk to me but He's got such like a nice. He's like he's very nice. The about old it. man that is is like, thank you, yeah, thank you kindly. That's the most important. See, you thing you've already done that. more effort in trying to figure out this guy's deal than I would ever do. I just I'm like no, yeah. he's I love him. Don't care what the bit is. Don't care why he's like this. I yeah. just want to mm-hmm. watch it forever. Jackass presents old grandpa <laughs> bringing warm milk. Don't care. Cooper eventually gives up on getting this guy to like call the doctor for him because he realizes that he can't hear mm-hmm. uh, very well, and so he ends up just like while bleeding out on the floor, he like signs the receipt. And yep. The guy leaves. A great bit. He holds the receipt down for him. He gives him a thumbs up and winks. Uh, the old guy does, and then leaves. I don't know. Ten seconds says, pass, and he comes back. I've heard about you. Uh huh. <laughs> Which I guess just means he's heard that there's an agent in town. I, I guess so, yeah. He also hangs up the phone. That's finally when you stop hearing Andy in the background. Yeah. Uh, and I guess when they start coming over, and I, I guess they get here pretty quick. Uh, but yeah, uh, Cooper asks if it includes a tip, and the waiter says, yes, sir. Also a funny detail. The guy goes out. Let me just read the script description from uh, uh, the, the transcript we Go have pulled it. up. Thank you from Glastonburygrove.net yet again. Old waiter gives Cooper a thumbs up. <laughs> Cooper slowly moves his hand up to give a thumbs up back. Uh, old waiter leaves, moves out of sight down the hallway. I don't know, 15 seconds pass, and then he comes back into the doorway. Winks gives <laughs> another thumbs up. <laughs> Cooper lifts his left hand and waves uh, at the old waiter with his index finger. Old waiter nods, winks, turns, walks off out of sight. And then that's, I think that's finally his stage exit for now. And then someone else comes. The tallest man you've ever seen appears. The episode is called May the Giant Be With You. Uh, Yes, so this character's name is, uh, well, maybe he has another name, but he is referred to pretty consistently as the giant. I wouldn't he's be... one of them. He's one of them uh, spirit characters, kind of like your, uh, the arm. Who, the, well, I guess. He's I the, think the, we called the... the 
yeah, character. The, the guy arm. in the red suit in the other, in the mm-hmm. in the red room. He, the giant is another one of these spiritual characters. Yeah, characters from the lodge. I don't remember. I, I we have not directly spoiled things, but I do think we've given things names before. Uh, to be a little more clear, Maxwell makes it easier for us to describe things. It's also funny rewatching this and be like, they do just tell you that the guy's name is Bob, the the greasy yeah. man who who do the deed. Interesting too. There's a poll. I don't think this came up on our last uh, season's coverage. There was someone did a poll. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah, before the finale aired. They asked the audience and interviewed the cast on who they thought killed Laura Palmer. 31%, highest percent by a wide margin is Jacoby. Uh, which I think all, if you're, if you're after the finale is one, gone. I can, yeah, I can, yeah, I can see that guess. Especially yeah, before the finale, absolutely. After the finale, you know, it's, it's a little less uh, uh, likely that it's him. But then, the, yeah, it's like Leo Johnson, Jacques Renault. It's very funny that, like, no one guesses... The weird greasy man that I've seen <laughs> say I will kill again, but like, yeah. I, but also, what are you, gonna, you you don't see him outside of visions and dreams. It can't just be that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was I was just gonna say that's my, also my boyfriend's reasoning, where it's like it's like, well, I guess all that's left is Leo, but that's too easy. So yeah, the giant says, "I will tell you three things. If I tell them to you and they come true." Then will you believe me? Cooper, bleeding out still, just says, Who's that? Think of me as a friend. Where do you come from? The question is, where have you gone? On the floor. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, not very far in the no. last little bit. <laughs> the first thing I will tell you is, there's a man in a smiling bag. Uh, Cooper repeats the phrase, man in a smiling bag. Second thing is, the owls are not what they seem. There's that phrase that finally uttered, even though we've said it a hundred times. Very famous, yeah, very famous Mm -hmm. line. Or I guess it's just famous, maybe just famous in my head, I don't know. No, I've heard it a lot, yeah. Third thing is, without chemicals, he points. That one you don't hear as often. (laughs) No, no you don't. You don't hear smiling bag, I think, probably after this episode. Yeah. I'm probably Cooper repeats it in the same way he still says nervous about meeting Dre tonight. Uh, Cooper asks, what do these things mean? This is all I am permitted to say. Not true. He comes back and remembers he forgot to say something. He literally is like, oh, fuck. I forgot there were four things. He says one last thing two times in this episode after this moment. This is all I am permitted to say. Give me your ring. I will return it to you when you find these things to be true. Uh, he takes a ring off Cooper's hand, yeah. I guess probably he had that on his hand in season one. I just never think to, like, watch for it, because it's never no. mentioned until now. He says, we want to help you. Cooper asks, who's we? One last... One more hey, thing! one more thing! <laughs> Leo! <laughs> one last thing. Leo, locked inside Hungry Horse. There's a clue at Leo's house. And then after a beat, he says, you will require medical attention. <laughs> Cyrus, you are not well. <laughs> uh, yep. And then he fades away. That's the thing is he he appears on screen like transparent and then solidifies like like one layer of film laid on top of another, basically. 
But now he does the dude doing a peace sign and the disappearing yeah. meme. The reverse of that, yes. Yeah. Cooper just lays there, and then we're gonna cut away to the 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 most uncomfy thing that was left hanging last time, and it's now the yeah. the uncomfy thing being wrapped up. And uh it is Thankfully quick. Audrey is able to kind of get herself out of it, but it's still very uncomfortable. Yeah, Audrey was about to have her dad walk in on her at the the brothel that she got herself stuck in, and nothing comes of it. Because if you recall, uh, her dad owns One-Eyed Jacks, which she Audrey did didn't know. Uh, she just wanted a she wanted a job there because Laura was working there, as well as Ronette Pulaski, who was also attacked mm-hmm. the night that Laura was killed. Ronette being in a coma right now. Cooper. And yeah, she was going to, uh, without telling Cooper. Well, she meant to tell Cooper. I think she wrote a note, but it never got to him or something. Yeah, so she was going to like go undercover there and then found out uh, that the owner is her father. And she finds out that the owner likes to frequent the brothel himself. But when she realizes it's her dad, she like puts on a mask and like is able to shoo him away long enough for his brother. What's his brother's name? Jerry, of course, yep. Ben and Jerry. Ben and Jerry. She's able to shoo him away long enough for Jerry to come and be like, hey, we got a situation, and then he mm-hmm. leaves. But it's very upsetting yeah. and uncomfortable to watch. J- uh, Jerry's problem is, I don't know, I don't actually know Jerry's problem, but he has a fight with Black Rose before that. It's interesting, too, watching this right after finishing season one and just Lynch back at the helmet. I don't, I don't know who did the cinematography for this, but even that, uh, there's just suddenly a very different sort of tone about everything. Because uh, I'm like, oh, even like this scene of them arguing in the room feels different from conflicts from the first season. Near the end of this episode, my boyfriend was like, when did this become scary? And then at <laughs> the ending of this episode, <laughs> even more so. Pretty frightening, yeah, the end. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's very Hitchcocky in the way that it does a lot with very little, because uh, it's on network television in the 90s. Yeah, so as you mentioned, Jerry... Uh, has a discussion with the manager of the brothel, Black Rose, which is also uncomfortable, although less so. Mm-hmm. Um, not super plot important. Um, At least not let's yet. see, what else do we have here? Uh, that's basically it for the one-eyed Jack scenes for a bit. Yeah, I think, then I think we go back to to Cooper getting... Uh, oh, he reads... Uh, or not reads, he... Dictates. Yeah. Diane, my recorder's on the table. Well, he says it with less gusto. I'm just remembering he was shot when he said this. He says, Diane, my recorder is on the table. I'm unable to reach it at this time. I can only hope that I inadvertently pressed the voice activation button. And lying on the floor of my room, I've been shot. There's a great deal of pain and a fair amount of blood. Fortunately, I was wearing my bulletproof vest last night per bureau regulations and working undercover. I remember folding the vest up to chase down a wood tick. If you can imagine the impact on your chest of three bowling balls dropped from the height of about nine feet, you might begin to approximate the sensation. He's like this even when he's dying. All things considered, being shot is not as bad as I thought it might be. (laughs) (laughs) As long as you can keep the fear from your mind. But I guess you can say that about almost anything in life. It's not so bad as long as you can keep the fear from your mind. Uh, And then he notices that his ring is in fact gone. That even though this, he must have assumed that the giant was just a hallucination he was having, but his ring is actually gone. Yeah. At a time like this, 
Curiously, you begin to think of the things you regret or the things you might miss. I would like in general to treat people with much more care and respect. Which is like, you're the nicest person on this show. Shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> I would like to climb a tall hill. Not too tall. Sit in the cool grass. Not too cool. And feel the sun on my face. I wished I could have cracked the Lindbergh kidnapping case. Of course you I would very much li- like to make love to a beautiful woman who I had genuine <laughs> affection for. And of course it goes without saying that I would like to visit Tibet. I wish they could get their country back and the Dalai Lama would return. <laughs> oh, I would like that very much. All in all, a very interesting experience. <laughs> Dying? This is my review of being shot. Two out of five. <laughs> Not as bad as you'd think. Yeah. Deputies Hawk and Andy, along with Sherry Sherry Truman, along with Sheriff Harry Truman, they all appear at the door and they save Cooper. He says, ah, they're here. Uh, And then we get the Robocop waking up (laughs) sequence. Yeah, it it basically is the weird sort of stretching effect they they do on the screen. It's funny because Cooper again describes the, the wood tick and... Doc Hayward, like, that explains this, and holds up a, a, the bullet with the wood tick, like, attached to it in blood. He's like, hell of a way to kill a tick. Amazing. <laughs> so far. Um, they ask him if he saw anything. He didn't. He just said, I saw a masked face and a muzzle flash. And then Truman says, Lucy, you better bring Agent Cooper up to date. You want to yep. do this? Yep. Uh, and Lucy uh, recaps the season finale for With us. With a notebook in her hand. Yeah, it says, Leo Johnson was shot. Jacques Renault was strangled. The mill bird. Shelly and Pete <laughs> got smoke inhalation, which that's that's actually uh, new. That was not in the episode. Uh, so yeah. Shelly and Pete got out of there with smoke inhalation. But Catherine and Josie are missing. Uh, we don't actually know where Josie was when the episode ended. Uh, Nadine is in a coma from taking sleeping pills, which we we did see uh, that. Uh, It's so great because it's like, yep, all those things happened. There's no context for any of them. Cooper says, how long have I been out? (laughs) And Doc Haver says, 7.45 in the morning. (laughs) You've been out for like a minute. Uh, Haven't had this much action in one night since the Elks Club fire of 59. Amazing line. Cooper, because of what the giant tells him, asks if they can get a warrant for to search Leo Johnson's house, but Truman says they don't need to because he was shot there yep. <laughs> last night, so they have a they have probable cause or whatever. The yeah, I don't know. The, 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 the crime scene, I guess. Yeah, Lucy says Deputy Brennan found him because they're still... Yeah, because they still they're have on the outs. Yeah, because last time... Yeah, Lucy doesn't have this in her notes, but last time Lucy told him that she was pregnant and he just kind of silently walked away. And that was the, the last God, note. Andy. That seems funny every fucking time. Cooper gets up, uh, much to the chagrin of Dr. Hayward, who's like, you can't, you do were shot like yeah, he's, he's, a few hours ago. He says it the minute, it's like three, two or three broken ribs, fucked up cartilage. His entire abdomen is like dog shit right now. Doc, when the will is invoked, the recuperative powers of the physical body are simply extraordinary. And then he like slowly... Just give me a couple of hours to get dressed. <laughs> slowly inches himself off the gurney. And then for the rest of the episode, he like is in pain like every time he sits kind down. Kind of hunched. Yeah. yeah. Uh, great, great physical acting from Kyle McLaughlin there. But yeah, that's kind of back up to speed and then a million uh, other things happen of other people sort of Seeing where they're at after this, uh, there's a TV scene of a reporter like reporting on the mill. You see Shelley's in the hospital. Bobby goes and visits, or uh, he doesn't visit yet. She just says Bobby's name. She's, she's worried about him TV. because she knows that he was near 
a mill or whatever. Yeah, but later he he does visit. He's fine. He's he's one of the better spots probably of anybody right now. Mm-hmm. But his main problem was shot. Let's see. Jacques Renault is wheeled in in a body bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooper asks if it's smiling. It doesn't appear to be. No. Lucy says, what's there to smile about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what else do we get? Um, uh, it starts to set up that Ronette Pulaski is wa- uh, like waking up. She, she does at the end of the episode, more or less, but uh, mm-hmm. she mumbles the word Laura before we go to a commercial break. And in the Palmer house, uh, which is to say uh, Laura's family, uh, we've got her mother and her cousin Madeline. Um, so the, we have Sarah and Madeline. The the tone and pacing of these scenes, again, are just suddenly so different. Like, this feels in, more in line with Mulholland Drive or Inland Empire scenes. Not just or because the of... the return, right? Yeah. Like, Not even just because the, of, like... Because um, I think of Inland Empire, I think the same actress is in Inland Empire talking yep. to Laura Dern. But it reminds me of that scene, just, like, the very sort of awkward space in between each That's a line. a great scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, and the, the, I feel like Lynch... Uh, I don't know, like, I would assume he has a decent hand in the sound design of what he's directing, because a lot in this episode, like, this show has a lot of music in it, um, Mm -hmm. typically. It doesn't so much in The Return, which is a choice. This episode kind of feels a little bit more like The Return in that sense, where there's a lot of filling out the acoustic space with just uh, room tone or outdoor din like like hums a lot of like ambient hums Mm -hmm. like you would hear if you realize your fridge makes noise but you probably tune out yeah half the time it's a neat choice it really it's it's a great way to add tension that doesn't get released because it's just the same hum yeah which yeah lynch does do quite a bit uh i yeah i don't know where i'd find if how sound design works yeah for for but it's just it's just a nice touch yeah i'm looking at the the wiki page now to see if it's mentioned and i the first thing i noticed here is a a note that says steven spielberg was it shouldn't directing this episode which i honestly don't believe i just don't believe that yeah. uh but it's would be I interesting mean, yeah it's hard hard to know but i mean like twin peaks was so huge like culturally it was yeah. a big thing after the first season and so i think spielberg directed the Columbo pilot, like, he worked in TV plenty before he did movies, but yeah. I'm also thinking, like, this is, like, right before he does... Why would he do that? Jurassic yeah. Park. I don't know if that's where he's at right now. Uh, so this scene is uh, Sarah Palmer asking uh, cousin Madeline if she's homesick, essentially, because Madeline has been staying with her aunt and uncle to just kind of keep them company, but now that she's there, she's also trying to solve the mystery along with Donna. Mm-hmm. Um, but Madeline is not really paying attention to uh aunt sarah's question and she says aunt sarah i had the strangest dream last night right from this angle where i'm sitting on the rug right there uh and like she's a- about to disc- she has this horrified look on her face as she's recounting this dream and mm-hmm. uh sarah palmer asks, was laura in it but before she's able because it, it almost seems like sarah might have had a similar dream we know that she's been seeing sort of visions about Laura, so it seems like she's asking Madeline if Laura was in Madeline's dream. Mm-hmm. But before Madeline is able to finish, uh, fr- from the front door, oh, Mary's the oats and oats and oats and the lambsy divey, how can lean ivy too, wouldn't you? Uh, Leland's here and he's singing, but his hair is all white. 
Okay. I, I, it's, I, without spoiling anything, because I do have thoughts about that choice, but, uh. uh it's, a, it's interesting. It's interesting that very suddenly, because uh, I was, I was literally thinking, like, well, what happened last time? And it's like, well, he killed a guy. Uh, he, str- he strangled yeah. Jacques Renault and ever, and he, a weight has been lifted. He woke up this morning with shock white hair. Do we only cover pieces of fiction where people suddenly have white hair? Yes, we do. <laughs> Is Leland Palmer Norded? More at 11. Now if the words sound queer and funny to your ear, a little bit jumbled and jivey, say mares eat oats and does eat oats and little lambs eat ivy. Oh, mersey nuts, mersey nuts. I hope he, that, that should uh, just be our whole episode. Uh, Sarah and Madeline are like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yesterday he barely said anything. He was so distraught, and now he's mm-hmm. singing this folk song. And that, yeah, he sings that for a while, and then Sarah just walks off after him, I think, after this? Or? Yeah, because she's like, why does he seem so happy he shouldn't be right now? <laughs> yeah, she she seems, like, concerned. I love her performance and across the whole series. She's amazing, yeah. But yeah, she walks off, and then uh, Madeline, she, like, again, is staring at this one piece of carpet, and she has a vision that, I guess as the, the, the transcript here describes, a red stain sort of appears across it and then dissolves again, and she, like... The stain is vaguely in the shape of, like, a body, I would say. Yeah, it's it's hard to say because the frame is just carpet. It's kind of hard to I I, mm-hmm. I I I struggle to know how big it is. Like I think that's on purpose too. Is that it's so like a weirdly disorienting frame of just carpet. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, the stain sort of wipes across it, then wipes away. She screams and cries, says "Oh God!" while uh she sees it, which I guess it's you know she's seen it again. Maybe she. Again, there's more context we're probably not seeing that she had in her dream, or that it's because she's awake. But um, no, it breaks her a little bit to to see it. Yeah, now. the dream seems to be at least she can she seems to be seeing it in real life, which is yeah. unsettling. Yeah. Uh that's the end of the scene. We get Ben and Jerry uh, recapping because uh, if you recall, there trying to (laughs) the fucking mill plot yeah they have recently and there's a lot of moving parts to this but they've recently they've hired hank to torch the mill um which will uh which is owned by josie packard uh run by catherine because when they burn the mill uh it will make it easier for them to buy the land because it won't be worth as much. They will, they will buy it for their ghostwood estates that they want to build. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of just recoup that. Yeah. Every, every, um, yeah. Everybody's kind of double, triple crossing everybody. Cause everyone wants to come out with the most profit. So like Hank is working both with them and with Josie, but like Josie's also working with them. Cause Ben's like, Oh, we're going to do this, but you could just sell it to us for cheap. Without that or whatever. It's a whole mess rooney let it, me tell you. It's, are... it's a huge mess, and you can kind of just zoom out and be like, everyone's trying to fuck everybody over. You don't really need yeah. to remember every single detail. But, uh, yeah, Ben is, is recounting that, and sort of uh, the other part of it is that Leo being shot is, is part of it, too. Um, 
I think because I think they wanted Leo dead, and he's still alive. He's in a coma now, which I think we'll that's right. They, they had Hank because I think, or I think they, I think what it might have been is they actually might have had Leo torch the place. Yeah, he torches the mill, Hank and then Hank kills him or tries to to kill him to you know get get rid of the loose end. And yeah. as they're discussing it, you hear, "Oh, little because Leland's here, and he starts singing." I'm and back and ready. His family, Jerry and Ben are in, and so they, they start, start spamming dancing. their fingers, and the, like Jerry's doing the worm yep. as he keeps singing. Ben gets it's up amazing. on his desk and like does a little tap dance to it. It rules. They're also terribly <laughs> off the melody. It rules. Yeah, uh, and then as you say, Leland says, "I'm back, back and ready." And yeah, um, no, they're just on board. because he. He used to, I mean, he does work with them, but he's just, he's their lawyer, but he's not been working with them uh, lately because he's been on bereavement leave because of his daughter. But he's back and ready. As much as he wanted to be there, they were like, no, uh, you will scare away our our Icelandic singing men. Uh, But yes, then we go to Leo Johnson's house and they're investigating the... uh, Crime scene, Cooper, I mean, we can kind of speed through it to Cooper pretty quickly. Uh, figures out what happens is that uh, what uh, Leo was inside chasing somebody with the axe when he was shot from outside. We know it was Bobby, uh, and we know that the person outside who shot Leo was Hank. Yes, uh, they they're trying to piece together because like, they don't know who shot Leo um, or who Leo was chasing. Truman suggests Shelley, but Cooper's like whoever he was chasing moved the TV, and she's like ninety pounds soaking wet, so it wasn't Shelley. Um, also, we know Shelley was uh, at the mill, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, they also find another copy of Flesh World there, the magazine, the ad magazine that they had been uh, using to connect Laura and Arnett. They have not found any cocaine yet, though. They will soon found Leo's jacket, which smells like gasoline, probably torched the mill. Outside, Andy is, I don't know, digging through dirt with a stick. And uh, our favorite character, Albert Rosenfield. Appears. Trying to dig up a bone he put there earlier. <laughs> and he, Harry, Harry, do you know who it is? It's Albert. It's Agent Rosenflower. <laughs> and he runs Which towards is not that. his name. No, he gets his name wrong multiple times in this episode. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, runs Albert Rosenfield. Us. Unfortunately, I don't remember that character actor's name. Uh, Miguel Ferrer. Um, incredible, right. incredible uh, actor, so good at playing assholes. Uh, and he plays uh, one here. You see, and you, you see him show up in a movie. You're like, well, this guy fucking sucks. You just know it. <laughs> Always true. Yeah. And Andy has had previous run-ins with him that weren't great. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's, yeah, as you mentioned, he's saying, Harry, do you know who it is? And he runs, tries to run inside to tell Cooper and Harry that, that Albert is here, but he ends up running into a board that he thinks is nailed down, but it isn't. And so it flips and smacks him right in the face. Uh, and he starts, like, standing there like a... He starts, like, waddling in he's place a like a duck because he's <laughs> trying to get his... Uh, he's trying to get his balance. It's amazing. And, and as as you could expect, goes on a lot longer than you think it would. And it's to the point uh, where, the like, whole thing- Andy's laughing, and I don't even know how much of it is just the actor laughing at the bit he's doing, but he's, it, it just, I don't know, either way. He's kind of punch drunk because he just yeah. got slammed in the face with a board. Yeah. But the, the comedic effect of it is especially powerful because the whole point of Albert is that he's like a, 
city agent and he comes by and he doesn't understand these rural ways and so the second he gets there uh and andy who he hates just he just watches him uh do some physical comedy and it's like great i'm back in this fucking town (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah he makes some joke about like uh another like oh let me see if i can find the and it's another great moment in law enforcement history. <laughs> yep. And uh, as they, the, the board, as now that it's lifted, uncovers where he hid his cocaine. And Harry's like, well, you're more right than you know, Albert. They also find a pair of boots that on the bottom says circle brand, which I, they draw attention to it. I, so I guess it's important later. I don't remember if it is, but. Yeah, I think they keep finding boots with that brand with like maybe associated with the cocaine drops, I think. But um, yeah, they. They found uh, the other thing they were looking for. So, uh, congrats, Andy, who waddles around for a while. There's a bit of a mirroring thing where Cooper ends up giving Andy the thumbs up. Like, are you okay? (laughs) The same way that the old guy did earlier. Yeah, his his facial expression paired with it is is very funny. Um, But I think that's it. Yeah, we go to the double R. Yeah, we cut to the double R, and there is a uh, unnamed character, just kind of a one-line character. Hot! that pie's good <laughs> yeah who says that and he's like right in dead center there. and then walks out if i had that role i would i would be talking about that every day of my life i mentioned this previously on this show i have this big fucking blu-ray set of the whole goddamn show uh huge set i've only i finally got to use disc three last night watching this episode uh because the first season just on the first two discs but I, I I mentioned before that each, like, DVD menu has, like, a different theme. The first one was just trees and Cooper talking about trees. The second one was pie. The second one was people in the double R eating pie. Right. So I have heard this guy say that line, <laughs> so, like, I guess 16 times, give or take. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you hit play. Yeah. yeah. Oh, damn, that pie's good. And then he walks out of frame. We never fucking see him again. It's great. Wonderful. It's Love great. It. Like, he's, like, dead center. It's, like, such an ah, uh, anyway. Great. Um, so what actually does happen in this scene? Let me remember myself. Uh, oh, yes. A lot of things, so, but it starts Madeline, with Maddie and uh, yeah. Yeah, Maddie meets up with Donna, who, like, Madeline is like, I brought the sunglasses, I brought Laura's sunglasses you wanted, and then Donna puts them on, and she's suddenly cool, Donna. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, she's on a uh, let trip me you, this episode. It is a fucking good look. Oh, it is. Uh, she pulls them off, and then Madeline, I guess, because... She she breaks her own glasses and she's like, I hate these things. I'm never wearing them again. I guess it's because they wanted her to wear the glasses in the first season because that distinguishes her from Laura because they are the same actor. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, you get it. We're, it's her cousin, but it's who gives a shit? The actor's yeah, good, so we used her again. But the delivery on, like, this whole scene is so, like, also just like, what the fuck is the tone here? <laughs> It's very odd. I love it. Uh, yeah, she breaks the glasses, weirdly smile. Another thing, too, is the last time we saw her, she was screaming. So there's, I think there's that, like, underneath it. Uh, she asks right. about James, who was spending the night in jail because there was cocaine in the bike, but they're also worried about the Jacoby of it all because they lured him out of his house shack that he does psychiatry in, and he got attacked and had a heart attack but that they're like is that our fault and it's like i don't know maybe do you remember what actually happened to him after they did the 
trickeroony because they had Madeline dress up like Laura and try to trick him into thinking she was Laura. Yeah, but well, then he gets like they're attacked, just yeah right? they're just trying to get him to go to some random street so they can get into his house. He sees the gazebo. Yeah. He threw his scanner darkly. Sees the gazebo in the tape <laughs> and is so he goes there. Sees Madeline dressed up as Laura. So he does like think he sees Laura. But then some guy I don't know who in a mask beats up on his back and he has a heart attack and that's that's it. Oh boy, I don't remember what the answer to that is. I if don't there ever is either. One. I I remember last time because there was another random guy just like in a mask uh behind Leo that I don't think we ever got an answer to yeah. either. But um I don't know somebody did it. So that's his problem. I think he I think there's a scene where he describes that to to somebody uh later yeah. on in the episode. But uh, uh the other thing in this episode is that Norma says an envelope was left for Donna. So she looks at it and it says Norma has great mom jeans in this. Oh, yeah. Just a great outfit in general, but so 90s mom jeans. It's incredible. Uh, The note that Donna gets says, look into the meals on wheels, which is a weirdly dramatic framing of it. But yeah, that's part of her plot line. Because Laura did uh, volunteer uh, driving. One of the one of the few things that never really got looked into in the first season that it's established. She did. I guess they never. There's not really anywhere to go with her uh, tutoring Johnny. That's kind of like put to bed quickly. But yeah, there's a lot of things they say that she did that some of them comes up and some of them don't. But this is one of them coming back now is the Meals on Wheels route. The log lady is in the diner as well. She takes out a giant chunk of chewing gum and just sticks it to the wall, takes a sip of coffee, sticks another giant wad of chewing gum. That's the (laughs) other thing that comes up in the log lady intro I forgot about. She starts talking about like trees standing together, growing aside together, and then she says, I chew pitch gum. On the outside, let's say of the ponderosa pine. Sometimes pitch oozes out. Runny pitch is no good to chew. Hard, brittle pitch is no good. But in between, there exists a firm, slightly crusted pitch with such a flavor. This is the pitch I chew. Wow. So it's not actually, like, gum. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know why, like, that's, like, half of the Log Lady intro, which I, I did then speaks to one scene where she's just chewing, spinning stuff onto the table, sticking it onto the wall, and then chewing more. So you know what? That. More power to her. Oh, no, no. Godspeed to the Log Lady. But yeah, uh, more Albert stuff with Cooper. It explains why Albert's here. Yeah, he says, how simple can I make it, Cooper? FBI agent, FBI agent gets shot. FBI agent investigates. I'm in proximity working with the Seattle lab. I'm familiar with the underlying case. Uh, and then he's kind of like checking him over. So Albert is here to find out who shot Cooper while yep. Cooper's trying to solve the main mystery. Yep. Says Gordon Cole ordered him back here. We'll actually get to see Gordon Cole in this season. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, I've also seen him a bunch on the, the pie DVD menu or Blu-ray menu. Um, he, uh, Albert also says you were shot by a right-handed person, five foot six, five foot ten inches tall, the distance of less than three feet of ballistics later this afternoon. And then um, th- they talk again about the, the wood tick, which is still funny every time. Albert also says, meanwhile, one of your principal subsects, suspect is killed in his hospital bed and the other one is shot in his living room. You tell me, vigilante justice or just clean country living? <laughs> Albert, where does this general attitude of unpleasantness come from? I'll have to get back to you on that. Well, if you don't want two black eyes on a regular basis, I suggest you make some kind of peace with rural life. I love this script to Albert in parentheses, smartass. Great. Yeah. <laughs> After the square dance, maybe we can all take a hayride. Uh, but yeah, he's an asshole in every scene he's in in this, but uh, Cooper's like nudging him to try and knock it off a bit. Yeah. 
You can tell he cares about the case, but doesn't understand why caring about the people that it involves might also be important. <laughs> uh, but Andy walks into the scene because he was told to look into something for Cooper, part of the, uh, the giant's message, Leo locked in Hungry Horse. Andy comes in and says, I called Hungry Horse Montana. The word locked. Leo Johnson was locked in a jail in Hungry Horse Montana. Cooper asks when he was locked up, uh, when Leo was locked up, and Andy says, February 9, 1988. Cooper and Albert at the same time say Teresa Banks, because that is the person who, uh, who was murdered a decent chunk of time, years in fact, before she was killed years before Laura, but mm -hmm. near here, it was never solved. It was solved. a year before, yeah, but it's the same, same sort of thing, the, the letters under the fingernails. Is how uh, yeah. Cooper connects it and why he's here at all. Well, that and Ron at yeah, passing he, state lines. Yep, and so Leo was in jail when Teresa Banks was murdered. Yes, so alibi. If Leo was involved, like, the, so presumably Leo was probably at least not the weird letter under the nail person. If he's involved in the in the murder of Laura, we still don't know, but he doesn't seem to be involved in the murder of Teresa Banks. There's a scene later in this episode where Cooper runs down literally every piece of information they concretely know. Or or not even, I shouldn't even say concretely, because yeah. some of it's from dreams. But, uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> and part of that is that, like, uh, and I'm really glad I rewatched season one, so all this is still fresh in my mind now. They, you know, there were, th there were three people that they know were sort of involved with Laura and Ronette. A lot of their things are being sort of cut from the list of possibilities, it's like, we know Leo was involved, but he couldn't have been the person who did the stuff with Teresa Banks, and now he's in a coma anyway. Uh, Jacques Renault is dead, um, and what they're like, there is a third man involved, and that is now who is the Teresa Banks person, and that is now the goal. Is They've cut a lot of people from the list, they just need to figure out who the third man is, and they don't have a direct lead uh, yet. We cut to the lobby of the sheriff's department as... A minor character from last season, Philip Gerard, enters. He was first seen in a vision that Cooper has where he identified himself as Mike. He's missing an arm, and in the dream, he says he cut it, cut it off to, like, cut the evil off, and he makes some sort of connection between him and this spiritual figure, Bob, and, you know, it's one of those dream sequences, so there's a lot going on there. But in real life, his name is not Mike. His name is Philip Gerard, uh, and he's a shoe salesman. He comes in because Sheriff Truman told him to come by at his convenience to sell him some shoes, and it's at his convenience, so he comes there. Yeah, this is the first convenient moment, he says. Uh, but that's it for this episode. It's just he shows up. Yeah, but it, there's, there's uh, he's smiling in a way that's uncomfortable, there's, yeah. which maybe implies that he's under the control of this Mike spirit again, possibly. Possibly. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah he's, there's, a, there's a nervous chuckle and energy in the room, but that's the it. Uh, this is only your appearance in, in this first episode. We cut to Bobby and uh, Harry. Uh, not, not Bobby, uh, James. Uh, James is showing uh, Harry Truman the tape that they got from breaking into Jacoby's uh, home and office. Uh, he's like, breaking and entering, James. But he's like, no, oh, the door is open. And, you know, he's still not telling the whole truth about what he did. But he got in there. They're like, yeah, he was trying to help. The tape mentions a red Corvette, which they know is Leo Johnson. But... James doesn't think it was Leo or Jacques Renault. He, he tells a story, though, because uh, he's like, in the tape, Laura says that someone could light her F-I-R-E, uh, which I don't 
know if they play that part in this episode, but it's in the last uh, episode of season one. And James recounts a story that he conveniently remembers now, because I'm sure it was decided after the fact. But he says, well, I remember this one night when we first started seeing each other that she was still doing drugs then. Well, we were in the woods and she started saying the scary poem over and over about fire. And then she said, would you like to play with fire, little boy? Would you like to play with Bob? Would you like to play with Bob? Truman says, what does she mean by that? I don't know. Laura said a lot of nutty stuff. Half the time it went right by you. This stuck, though. Cooper comes in along with uh, Deputy Hawk, and Cooper says, James, I'll get right to the point. I know you have the other half of Laura Palmer's necklace. I want it. Give it to me. He just, he stands up and is like, how? <laughs> and then he gives him the necklace. Yeah. He, he says, says, well, this was in Jacoby's office in a coconut. Cooper says a coconut. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, Cooper sort of explains, like, he knew that James had it. And, like, something scared him. That's why he didn't give it up. So he finally just asked directly. But he didn't think Jacoby had anything to do with it. So now he's like, sometimes you just get lucky. So they go, they'll go talk to Jacoby later. But before that, we get... Uh, Donna comes in and, uh... Makes out with James through the bars of his James she cell. She wants to bone so hard. <laughs> it's like, she's like, is it wrong for me to want you? It's, There's, it's yeah, she lot. is, like, on a trip this episode that is very yeah. interesting watching it back-to-back with the finale of the last one, because she's not on that trip the day before. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so she's smoking now. She, she has this scene where she is, yeah. Real fucked up when you see the movie and she fucking looks different. She's really, uh, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on with Donna. Oh, yeah, there's a ton of stuff going on with Donna if you, if you factor in the prequel movie, but I don't know how much of that's on anyone's mind with this episode, but it, When they know, were making it, yeah. yeah uh, it's just funny to me that. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like, oh, she has this other side to her. It's like, we saw a really other side to her in the movie when yeah. she was a different woman. She yeah. was played by a different woman. Yeah, I, I, I think that's just, is that just because the actress didn't come back? I mean, also, it, it being a prequel. I don't know all the production details of it. I think they both decade in the role. And I think the role does carry over well, but. It's, it's, it is jarring. When you it, see yeah, it. it's jarring, but also I think too, it's like, she already doesn't look like a teenager in, in the show. Right. You put it to what, 98 is probably when they filmed that, I had to guess. I could look it up. But anyways, they're also kind of figuring out like, did you tell them anything about what they did with luring Jacoby out of his home and making a tape? And James said, no, that's, you know, really it. I think she might, I don't know if she mentions the, she doesn't mention the Meals on the Wheels stuff. To James yet but I do also like the exchange of like when did you start smoking she's like I smoke every once in a while helps me relieve tension when did you get so tense when I started smoking <laughs> <laughs> so funny uh and then she sucks on his finger <laughs> yep no like bites on his knuckle very strange I'm it's straight people who knows uh the next scene is very funny mm-hmm. Cooper uh needs Andy and Lucy to look through back issues of Flesh World to see if they can find a picture of Teresa Banks in there to make a connection there. It's funny because Lucy and Andy are romantically involved, but they're in an argument right now and they have to awkwardly look through a porno mag together. And Lucy's like, we're, we can do this. We're professionals. And she opens the first page and just gasps. And then <laughs> the scene is over. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, then we get to the interrogation of. Dr. Jacoby from Cooper. There's a running bit in this episode that the the hospital food it's is ter- like just goo, like dangerously bad. Yeah, it's it, it's <laughs> very funny. Uh, a lot of visual gags of it, and then also one like unnamed doctor like saying you have to talk to the kitchen. <laughs> 
so so Jacoby is like kind of out of it in this scene. The implication is just because the food was so bad. That is, yeah, because uh, Doc Hayward says, "What is yawn?" <laughs> um, but that nothing. But basically, Jacoby just sort of recounts, get, fills in some some blanks around stuff we knew. He was following Leo in a red Corvette the the night after Laura was killed. Lost Leo, but found Donna and James after Cooper and Harry lost them. Uh, they so that's how he was able yeah. to find where they buried the yeah they bury the necklace. The necklace he gets it. I think that's the only thing really explained in this scene of uh, yeah he say. says oh that there's to one him, other the, thing. the half necklace the divided necklace represents to him the double life that Laura was living. Uh, and then he says that he thinks that uh, she decided that, like, that the last time that he came to, that she came to him as, like, a patient, that it seemed like she had reached some sort of peace, and that later he decided that that probably meant she was, uh, decided that she was going to end her life by way of having, by way of being murdered. Yeah, very, this is the scene that made me think about the movie. Yeah, uh, which uh, you know we'll come back to when we do a ten-episode miniseries on the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, but for now, it's yeah. Sheriff Truman's like, "Are you saying Laura wanted to die?" And Cooper says she did not commit suicide, despite three percent of people putting that in the poll. Yeah. Also, six percent said still alive. Also, very funny. Very funny. Oh, they ask if he saw anything when Jacques Renault was strangled. He said no. Heavily sedated. He remembers a smell though. Cooper says, uh, "Is it shit?" Did you shit your pants? No, he says. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's usual in ca- uh, in a case of strangulation for the victim to void his bowels after several beats. Jacoby's like, mm-hmm. no, wasn't that. <laughs> it smelled like scorched engine oil. Bobby visits Shelly while we're still in the hospital. There's a... They get a little handsy. It, they tug at each other's hair and go, man. <laughs> <It's> re- <laughs> that part is so cute. That part is like so real to me. That part's very, very cute. They have a good chemistry. They have phenomenal chemistry. They're so fucking good, these two actors. I don't think there's any plot in this scene. We can, I, I, I was reminded that, yeah, Bobby hasn't told Shelly what he, act, like, help, like, all of his secrets. She doesn't know that he deals drugs or fucked with Leo, but. He's like, oh, well, Leo's fine. I'm not worried about it. I mean, or so I've heard <laughs> that uh, he was shot. But yeah, I think it's just they catch up. Shelly, for the first time, says to Bobby, I love you. And he's taken aback and says, I guess I love you, too. Yeah, I guess I love you, too. Which is like a cute way of yeah. saying it. I'm so, it. It didn't hit me that I was like, oh, I guess they've never said it on screen. I, I would have guessed they would have by now. Yeah. Then we keep following Bobby. Or no, sorry. Technically. Yeah, we see Bobby leave the room, and we, we follow Cooper and Truman and Albert as they see Bobby in the hospital, because they're also there, having just talked to Jacoby. Let's see, do they talk about anything in super, anything important No, here? It, this just leads to the Big oh, Ed Oh, they meet up with... Yeah, they meet up with Big Ed, who we haven't caught up with yet. Albert, and after insulting Ed in front of his face... Uh, yep. Truman is like, Albert, but I'm going to go get you a cup of coffee so that you stop insulting the locals. So, yeah, this uh, is Cooper a... and Ed just kind of catch up. Uh, Ed is here because his wife, Nadine, tried to kill herself yeah. uh, with pills. Yeah, but she is. She is still alive in a coma and he's very upset about it. And he has a nice monologue about mm. how they ended up together and how it was kind of just like a weird accident because Ed and Norma were together and were the high school sweethearts, but 
you know, they were in an argument because she was seeing Hank and he met Nadine in that time and they just got married real quick. And then that's the whole, and he accidentally and shot her the rest out. was history. And yeah, that story is so sad that, that they're, they, they go hunting together, which is kind of cute. And he's like, she's a great shot. Uh, and then he ends up shooting her, uh, in, yeah, which is why she has the eye patch. It was, it's like buckshot. Yeah. Yeah. A piece of buckshot skipped off a rock and caught Nadine square in the eye. Yeah. Uh, Albert's like, Dying laughing off uh, in the corner, um, by the way. But yeah, no, it's uh, very sad that the sort of relationship, like, Ed clearly does care about Nadine. And she, he, like, that's the, that's the reason they're still together, yeah. is that he's never, like, it's like, I don't want to, like, there's a, there's a part of him that knows she needs him, and he does care about her, but he does yeah. not love her the way that he would like to love Norma in a marriage. And she has her own that's reasons exactly to, that, that, you know, she ended up staying with Hank after she came back and, uh, saw that Big Ed had gotten married. Didn't I forgot that it was in the show because I read the book and it's mentioned in the book that that's mm. how she, uh, why she wears the eye patch is that story. Um, so I forgot that it was that he just says it to you in the show. Cooper sees a smiling bag. He does. He does see a smiling bag. Uh, it's like one of the body bags is like hung up over a sink to like dry out for whatever reason. And yeah, that's weird. Yeah, the way that it's hung up though does make this sort of. Uh, shape with the zipper and just like the bag itself makes the sort of smile shape and cooper's like a smiling bag and then it's kind of it doesn't seem to be that important although no i think it almost I mean, it's important in that it corroborates the that giant, the giant yeah. was in fact being prophetic so i think that's part of that the main thing the other yeah. things uh albert does apologize he does say sorry uh for laughing i like that but yeah this is just another example like we talked a lot about how the the double r is at kind of this great place where like everybody goes so you can kind of bounce between multiple plots and scenes in one location uh the hospital's doing a lot of that here because we followed like from scene to scene Mm -hmm. to scene and we're still continuing to follow cooper sends albert off to the um great northern to check in there's another joke about the kitchen and uh, but our one scene of Pete in the hospital is him smelling the food and dying because and of immediately it. putting his because he's in the hospital bed for smoke inhalation. He immediately puts the oxygen thing back in his nostril so he doesn't smell the food anymore. Mm-hmm. Great gag. Yep. Norma comes by to ask Shelly if she wants to have anything from the double R to eat, and which is a nice little scene. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. she promises to bring two peanut butter pie chocolate peanut butter pies yeah which is amazing sounds great and then uh yeah as she's leaving she sees big ed and nadine sitting together and yeah sort of uh, as we've talked about sort of longs that scenario that situation um and then we get the best scene maybe in television history with uh God, major briggs i'm glad and you Bobby. really like this scene this too, this I lo- this monologue is so good i did not think it was in this episode i knew it was in this season i think very fondly of the scene i just didn't expect it so early uh, to see it again, yeah. uh, but no, this is this is so phenomenal. I I love that Major Briggs just kind of gets plot lines in season two in general, uh, because it's a great performance yeah. that he gives this this weird guy Major Briggs and uh, but yeah, uh, Major Major uh, Bobby goes to the Double R Diner and his dad is over there eating in a booth and calls him over. He says okay, and uh, they they you know their small talk is very how was school today yeah yeah there's that th- sort of thing yeah and bobby's like yeah school's whatever how was work and he says work was fine asks what he does for work and he just says that's, that's classified yeah <laughs> he's like oh yeah like, and like you very you just you know this is what all their small talk is and you kind of see more about um 
why their relationship is the way that it is, which we didn't, you know, see a ton of in the first season, mainly just a conflict. No, just there's kind of a distance there because he's a very prim and proper military dad. Um, But this is a moment of tenderness between the two of them. Do you want to read the monologue or should I? Uh, I can do it. I think you've done, you did the Cooper monologue. Major Briggs is like, can I share something with you, Bobby? And he says, a a vision I had in my sleep last night as distinguished from a dream, which is mere sorting and cataloging of the day's events by the subconscious. This was a vision. As clear as a mountain stream, the mind revealing itself to itself. In my vision, I was on a veranda of a vast estate, a palazzo of some fantastic proportion. I just also love how he... The words he chooses for anything... His vocabulary is great. Yeah, uh, fantastic writing with, with Briggs always, but he continues. There seemed to emanate from it a light from within this gleaming, radiant marble. I'd known this place, I... I, in fact, had been born and raised there. This was my first return, a reunion with the deepest wellsprings of my being. Um, And we cut to... Bobby is like, was kind of just like slouched in the couch, but he's kind of like, his interest is kind of peaked now. Yeah. Uh, Briggs continues, wandering around, uh, or wandering about, I noticed happily that the house had been immaculately maintained. There'd been added a number of additional rooms, but in a way that blended so seamlessly with the original construction one would never detect any difference. Returning to the house's grand foyer came a knock on the door. My son was standing there. And now Bobby is like... Grabbed. In rapt attention, and the the fact that he was in this vision seems to have moved Bobby. And Major Briggs says, He was happy and carefree, clearly living a life of deep harmony and joy. We embraced. Warm and loving embrace, nothing withheld. We were in this moment one. My vision ended and I awoke with a tremendous feeling. Optimism and confidence in you and your future. That was my vision of you. Bobby's starting to cry now and he says, Really? I'm so glad to have had this opportunity to share. He stands up and says, It's like offers a hand to shake hands with his son and Mm -hmm. says, I wish you nothing but the very best in all things. We get a real close-up of the handshake that it's a real nice and firm Mm -hmm. fatherly handshake. And Bobby says, thank you, Dad. He says, see you later. Call. Okay. Uh, Uh, fucking phenomenal scene. I, I, Bobby Briggs, best character in television. Uh, every show Uh needs a Bobby Briggs. Uh, but also just Dana Ashbrook through, uh, like, all seasons, uh, everything. Uh, Probably my favorite performer. Also just gets the best plots like i i don't want to discredit other actors but like what's the fucking i mean i know what the james plot is in this season but like what's he gonna get to do (laughs) (laughs) bob bobby gets to 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 to, uh, have that let's cross that james plot when we get to it we will we're gonna (laughs) i still have war wounds we might have some uh some civil war runes we'll reenact them don't worry oh christ um uh let's see what else happens here oh Hank is running the double R as Shelly was out visiting. Sorry, as Norma was out visiting Shelly at the hospital. Norma comes back and Hank's trying to have like small talk with her, but she's kind of blowing him off. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because she suspects and his involvement somehow in the mill shenanigans, but I might be going on right now. Um, And Uh, and then he make and then she goes into the kitchen and he makes eye contact with Bobby like a 
fucking women, right? <laughs> kind of like he makes that kind of like look with he like rolls his eyes. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't remember if Bobby saw Hank, but this flashback seems to imply that either he saw Hank shoot Leo or mm-hmm. is piecing it together. One or the other. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it was probably being axed by Leo was probably very traumatizing. They didn't think too much about who he saw outside of the window until he saw Hank again here now. Uh, yeah, and that's, I think, it for the, the double R stuff for now. We get, um, more stuff at, uh, I think this is the, um, the long scene. This is Cooper kind of recapping the mystery. Yeah, he recaps everything, which I don't think we need to really do because we make the no. podcast. Albert chimes in, too, because he's, Albert's a pretty regular character in this season, if I'm remembering correctly. Yep. Uh, so he's, he's filling in details here, too, as they sort of, Recount everything from episode one to now, as, as everything is as spun out. And again, the focus is on this third man that they they have no real uh, idea who he is. Let's see. Uh, Andy calls him Albert Roserfield, <laughs> uh, and he stands up to Albert because Albert says another. Because Andy starts crying, thinking about Laura again, and Albert says, "I know, Andy. I know. It's what we call a three hanky cry. It's funny." <laughs> It's funny, and and Andy says, Albert Roserfield, I don't like the way you talk smart about Sheriff Truman or anybody. You just shut your mouth, and then he leaves, and you can tell Lucy's Lucy smiles like she's, even though they're angry at each other, she is happy that he stood up for himself. Yeah. Sheriff Truman also is grinning at him, and Cooper accounts, Laura Palmer's dead. Jacques Renault is dead. Why not Pulaski and Leo are in coma? Waldo the Bird is dead. This leaves only the third man. And that's, uh... Yeah, kind of, I mean, where we're at, there's still, you know, scenes in uh, this episode to, to go through, but that's, uh, you know, as far as the plot's concerned, that's really the... That's where the... That's where the, the case, case That's the... Yeah. Uh, we get Pete going Pete home, though. Pete and Sheriff Truman have a scene. Sheriff Truman drove Pete back from the hospital with, his, with uh, Pete's smoke inhalation. They talk about Josie for a bit. Uh, Apparently Pete she has goes a letter up to from Seattle Josie. all the time, yeah. Yeah, and the letter says that she's in Seattle, and and yeah, and he's like, yeah, she got. I don't really know exactly what she does when she goes there, but I think it's mostly just shopping because she comes back with half a department store, is what he says. And then Truman is like, you know, we haven't found Catherine after that fire. Yeah, and Pete's very concerned about this as well. Very similar to the the great scene that Pete and Catherine have in the season one finale is just like, you know, it's a loveless marriage, but it wasn't always, and that's what Pete is holding on to here too is that he's like he doesn't really want to imagine that she just died in the fire but uh harry sort of says like you know we'll hope for the best but prepare for the worst and you know what it's good that we prepare for the worst she's not dead i i prepared for the worst and somehow it's still worse than what i prepared it would be better if she died Yeah, the the plot her Rather plot line is mm. probably the lowest low. Mm. <laughs> is it well, so bad? I don't know. Well, at the end of at the end of season two, we'll have a ranking of like what's the worst plot line? Is it James? Is it the mayor and the, <laughs> the teenage girl that he wants to marry? Is it the yellow is face? It ben, is it Ben wargaming with Confederate soldiers? I I <laughs> go to bat for that one. That one's good. <laughs> Christ. Maybe I won't think that after I rewatch it, but I have fond memories of that one. I don't remember I don't remember it very fond. I mean it's it makes sense for the character. It's just Let's see, know? what's what's the what's the good plot lines? We got the gardener guy who's gonna show up, 
I really like that. We'll get that pretty soon. Yeah, I, I think mean, it's soon. We'll get the answer to the mystery, which like the a lot of the reasons those episodes season, are good. A lot of the reason the season gets bad is because the studio pressured them into answering the yeah. mystery of who killed Laura Palmer. That happens halfway through this yep. season, and then they have a half a season yeah. to go. Those episodes and they kind of end up like spinning their wheels yeah. to a degree, but it's fascinating how they do it yeah. because it's like. They didn't want to have the mystery solved yet, and they still got to have a season to write. Yeah. Kind of fascinating to see. It's, it's, it's funny, it. too, anyway. because their interest was not with revealing the killer. It was exploring the town. But exploring the town yeah. after the killer is revealed is a bizarre situation I don't think anyone really thought would happen. And then they do. Uh, but yeah, Nadine plotline, unironically good. Uh, we'll get there. So good. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, the James one, I just don't remember it. I remember not caring at the time. Uh, oh, best one. So bad. Best one's probably hands down. Billy Zane showing up, right? Billy Zane shows up. That's fucking <laughs> like weird. near the end of the season. Um, and his last name is Wheeler. That's true. Yeah, but yeah, no. There's a lot of great stuff in the season, and a lot of uh, absolutely unhinged stuff that we will deal with we're back in the great northern jerry describes some sort of baked good for like 20 minutes <laughs> oh yeah that's very funny uh we also before we cut away from pete though there was a phone oh. call of someone calling uh oh, about right. uh about josie she is not there and then he makes another call uh, international to hong kong they'll, they'll deal with that a little bit later the josie plot yeah it's, another it's josie plot. involved in uh, organized crime stuff we'll get later. Yeah. Yeah, then we get the description of the baked good. Ben and Jerry meet with Hank, and they're yeah. like, before, fucking, you were supposed to kill him. Yeah, before that, there <laughs> Hank, is... you were supposed to kill Leo. There is an offhand line where Ben's like, have you seen Audrey? Jerry says no, and they just, that's it. That's that's their extent of, yeah. of worrying about her. But yes, then the, the Hank scene there, this scene's, I just like their fucking weirdo performances they feel let's feel you could cut this into an episode of like power rangers and it'd fit like that's the tone they like circle hank like they're hyenas mm -hmm. or something it's very unsettling I, as they're kind of ben and jerry them. are basically bulk and skull i think is what i'm realizing true uh but in, but like you know worse <laughs> it's notable in this conversation that basically they just recap that hank shot leo but it's notable that hank based on his description, didn't know that Bobby was in there. So Bobby yeah. kind of has one up on Hank in this oh, case. Yeah. Hank is like, I don't know, he was chopping wood in there. That's and what he Jerry's does. And like, in his house? Yeah, and he's like, yeah, you <laughs> know, he got Leo. the axe that he was chasing Bobby with. But Hank literally just thinks that. Um, but also, yeah, Hank's pretty sure that Catherine's dead in there uh, under the wreckage. Um, he's like, lucky if they'll find teeth. And Ben's like, yeah, she had great teeth. Marvelous. Marvelous. <laughs> Thinking about her teeth. But yeah, he's he's like they'll hang the the, the arson on her and Leo. Uh, he's like, if they don't do that, I'll give up sex. And that's Jerry being like, that's confidence. <laughs> These two dumbasses are funny. Um, but yeah, that's that's really it. Is they're just kind of wait. Oh, the ledger is the other thing. Is that uh, Hank asks where it is, and Ben's like, don't worry about it. I got it. Checking on Audrey again. I guess she's just stuck here now. She can't leave. Um, and and Black Rose sort of threatens her. Uh, just like you don't get to say no to people. That's like, why did you come to work here? And the answer is that yeah, she's she's getting in trouble for rejecting the owner. Yep. Um, which yeah, that's it's her dad. Yeah. <laughs> what if she just said that she was the daughter of the owner? I don't. I, would she get out of the situation? I don't know. I don't <sighs> remember. I don't think it would be go great for. Her. No, I don't remember how where this plot line ends. I just know what happened. 
by the end of this season where she ends up and that the answer is in the loving embrace of Billy Zane. And by the end of the next season, she ends up in a computer, I guess. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure that out. Who knows? <laughs> what, like, like, that sounds like a spoiler, but also I don't understand No, she it, gets so it's not. uploaded to the Matrix. Who knows? Uh, it's better than a doorknob. <laughs> and that doesn't even happen in the return. No. That happens here. Yeah. Anyways, we'll get there. Uh, this is why we covered uh, this on the podcast. Uh, we get to talk about uh, great television and also shit that doesn't make any sense. Donna picks up uh, the Laura's route on Meals on Wheels. That's a, you know, setting up plot for later, but that's about it. That's a scene. And then we have another fantastic scene where it turns out Donna has another yeah, sister. Yeah, I really like this scene. Uh, <laughs> yeah, her name is Gersten. Yeah, she has. Uh, we met Donna's, um, the middle sibling. We met Donna being the oldest. I, we I, met I, the I middle lean? sibling in the pilot. Uh, the her name is Harriet. Harriet. Eileen must be the mom's name or something. That's also here. That's right. Yeah, it's very funny. The script didn't catch the name of the the piece because it just says, "I'm now about to play Mendelssohn's question mark." <laughs> um, which is, it's also very funny. We were watching this with subtitles last night, so she says it, and then the next subtitle yeah. is in brackets, the, uh, just the name of the song again, mm-hmm. which is just very funny. I joked the subtitle should have been "Does that," uh, but yeah, yeah, plays she she plays this whole thing. They they have this nice dinner. Uh, Leland and. There's- the Madeline are visiting uh, the the uh, Hayward household. Yeah, I mean Leland is there. Sarah, his wife, is there, and Madeline are all are all three oh, of them there. Yeah, um, she Gersten, the youngest uh, of the Hayward clan, is in like a princess dress. I was reminded of the ending of Wild at Heart. Yeah, the the Lynch movie with Nick Cage. Oh yeah, great movie. But uh, Cheryl Lee shows up in it as uh, the Glinda the Good Witch or some shit. And I so that when I was seeing the dress, I thought of that. Uh, but anyways, she uh, explains that she's... Uh, uh, her, her good news is that she was chosen to be the fairy princess in her school play. This is her special dress for it. She plays her... Oh, she also, she had the highest scores on mathematics and English this mid-season term. This is the one person doing well in Twin Peaks. And only for a matter of time, I'm sure, once she gets older, yeah. it'll disappear. But anyways, uh, she's uh, happy and and proud of it. She's uh, doing well like her older sisters did. And now she plays uh, this this music. And the middle middle sister, Harriet, uh, reads a poem. Yeah, it seems like um, this whole thing was put together as just like like the Haywards wanted to do a nice gesture for the Palmers. Yep. um, Since they were all so close with Laura. And so they put this thing together, honoring Laura. And Harriet goes up and reads a poem about Laura. And she says, it was Laura, and I saw her glowing. In the dark woods, I saw her smiling. We were crying, and I saw her laughing. In our sadness, I saw her dancing. It was Laura, living in my dreams. It was Laura. The glow was life. Her smile was to say it was all right to cry. The woods was our sadness. The dance was her calling. It was Laura, and she came to kiss me goodbye. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, it clearly is a, you know, uh, the writers of Twin Peaks wrote that. Our yeah. writers came up with this one. Yeah. But it also does feel like a, a poem that that character could have written. Yes. You've know, seen her writing poetry in the pilot. Yeah, it's, 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 it also, yeah, it's interesting because it feels like, uh, it, it feels like a cryptic vision in the way that Twin Peaks scenes sometimes do. Yeah. But it also does feel like a kid trying to write a, a poem for that, and Leland uh, says that was wonderful. Thank you. They have their dinner. 
Gersten starts playing the song. Oh yeah. And there's this there's this really great pan of of the entire audience as she plays. Yeah. It's really good because you see like you know the Haywards with the exception of Donna are just kind of there. You know, they're the hosts. They're they don't have much of a rea- they don't have much of a, like a you know, they're they're composed. Leland is like too smiley for what the event is and he's like you know he's like smiling politely at the song being played but it's like dude your daughter died like recently and this was about her why are you so smiley right now sarah looks distraught as she has all show Mm -hmm. and then donna and madeline are just kind of looking off to the side is there it's there it's like this now she is distraught about her husband's state as well as everything else uh, so Donna and Madeline are off on the side, like whispering about the mystery stuff about how Donna's going to investigate the Meals on Wheels. Yep. Um, you you mentioned the Great Pan. We didn't mention because uh, we kind of glossed over the big recap scene. There's like uh, a a big pan of all the donuts when Cooper and Albert are describing everything. Um, and there's like so many different layers of different images uh, put on top of it of like trees and then like other stuff they're talking about like you do see ronette mm. when she's mentioned and i just that that montage is just very very impressive it's a really great sequence yeah, yeah. and it yeah it ends on uh andy crying is, is the end of the pan um yeah very well done leland and and doc hayward sort of catch up um about like the mill fire and stuff at the hospital hayward asks uh he's like well you know the mill stuff probably helps Benjamin Horn's development plans and Leland's like, well, as his lawyer and yours, I of course can't comment. Yeah. Is he just everybody's lawyer in town? It's a small town. Conflict of interest. I said the same thing when fucking Jacoby is using stuff he learned from Laura's therapy to weirdly manipulate Bobby's therapy. Conflict of interest. Yeah, that's messed up. Uh but anyways, uh they ask about his hair and he's like, It's strange, isn't it? Well, I just uh I woke up this morning and looked in the mirror and there it was. It had literally changed overnight. Doc Hayward says, well, considering all you've been through. You know, the funny thing about it is, seeing it, I realized I had turned a corner somehow. I feel a great deal of sadness still, yes, but uh, it, it wasn't as overwhelming to me. I physically felt as if a great weight had been lifted from my heart. Perhaps it has. And he smiles more and says, perhaps it has, perhaps it has. God, I feel like singing. Doc Hayward was like, that'd be nice. <laughs> it's like, no, I, I really feel like singing. And he gets up and, yeah, performs uh, Happy. He's like, clap along. Um, no, it's some older uh, song yeah, he's like, Happy. He turns to Gersh and he's like, do you know Get Happy? <laughs> and then she's like, yeah. And they do it. They, they sing the, Cole, is it Cole Porter, Get Happy? I'd have to I look it up. So. Come on, come on, Get Happy is the title of the song. Uh, sing Hallelujah, Come On, Get Happy. And he starts singing faster and faster, and like Gerson can't keep up with him, and it like frustrates him. And then he like he keeps singing, but he seems like he's mad about it. And then he passes out, and it's startling. Yep. Uh, but good thing the doctor's there. Yeah, there so there is. They a rush to him. Doctor in he the building. He seems fine. Oh, he seems fine. And then he asks them to play another jazz standard yeah. called the Begin the Begin. Yep. <laughs> We're winding down the episode. Cooper's returning to his room and uh, reporting to, to Diane. Um, I'll, I'll read this one. Diane, it's 11.55 p.m., approximately 19 hours since the shooting incident, which nearly caused me to make a premature purchase of the proverbial farm. <laughs> hmm. I am dog-tired. 
A man can only go so long without submitting to a period of rest. For as we know from experiments conducted on American GIs during the Korean War, sleep deprivation is a one-way ticket to temporary psychosis, and I'm working on a three-day jag. I got so goofy last night, Diane, lying here wondering whether I was going to live or die, but I thought I saw a giant in my room. Perhaps that's a story I'll save for another time. This is me, Dale, room 315 at the Great Northern Hotel, signing off. And he does that, and then we uh, get Audrey praying to Cooper at the One-Eyed Jack. Yeah. Her monologue is, Special Agent, Special Agent, are you there? I left you a note. Didn't you get my note? We, we panned to I it under the bed. Yeah, but he hasn't seen it. I slipped it under your door. You must have seen it. I'm up here at One-Eyed Jack's. To be perfectly honest, I think I'm a little over my head. Not that I can't handle it. I mean, I'm going to help you out with your investigation. I'm sure I'll be put in situations a lot more dangerous like this on a fairly regular basis. But it's just, you know, my first time out. I could use a little expert guidance. Just so you know, there is a connection between Horn's department store and One-Eyed Jack's. It's my father. He owns the place. But a bald old sleaze named Battis helps recruit some of the girls from the perfume counter. Tomorrow I'm going to go find out if Laura and Ronette came up here. I hope you won't think any less of me for trying to help you. I promised I did it with only the best of intentions. And if there's any way, if there's any way in the world you can hear me right now, please help me. He's sleeping. Yeah, he's, he's asleep right now. Uh, until he's woken up by the return of uh, the giant. The giant appears to him and says, sorry to wake you. And Cooper sort of sits up and notices and says, I am not dreaming. I forgot to tell you something. <laughs> One more thing. Yeah. Uh, but he says, you were right about the smiling bag. The things I tell you will not be wrong. <laughs> he, he goes, Cooper goes to reply again, but the giant stops him. Better to listen than to talk. Cooper says, I believe you. Don't search for all the answers at once. A path is formed by laying one stone at a time. Cooper nods. One person saw the third man. Three have seen him, yes, but not his body. One only known to you. Ready now to talk. One more thing. Uh, one more thing. Yeah, one more thing. You forgot something. Cooper asks what? And, uh, and then the giant hits him with a Kamehameha. Uh, I don't know. He shoots a light beam into well, Cooper's brain. I uh, Yeah, a light fills the room, and then a, a ball of light forms and flies into Cooper as the giant disappears. Now, we all know about orbs entering bodies and such. We've covered it many a time here. Got it memorized. Uh, uh, I have no fucking clue what this one is, because I don't remember <laughs> It seems to be he's like remind he's doing the the fret remind <laughs> maybe because he said you forgot something. I don't yeah I don't know if the orb is related to the forgetting, but I guess we'll uh, figure out with with due time. That's basically it for the episode. We yep. get a lot of other shots. We see Ronette is like waking. Yeah. There's up, a lot of uh, um it, from her coma empty, and empty shots of the hospital light sort of flickering. Great shots. Love, love this ending sequence, but then yes, Ronette is sort of waking up and she has a memory nightmare, basically. Yeah, night terror even, where she is seeing Bob uh, attacking both her and Laura in this dream, yeah. and it's horrifying. It is. It, it's, uh, but that's it, basically. She ends up shouting well Laura, Laura, as she wakes up. Yep. The uh, outro credits is... Well, this says Gertrude Hayward. I thought it was Gersten. One of them, I guess, is true. 
But uh, the yeah, the fairy princess daughter playing the the piano again is the the credits roll for this episode. And yeah, well, I don't know. David Lynch did it again. Sure did. This episode rips. Uh, Joe, where are you on the internet? Where am Where am I online? Uh, Twitter.com slash Ghost of Joe, Ghost of J O on uh, another podcast called We Are Watching One Piece. We're rewatching One Piece. My host Jory is watching for the first time. We're now deep into whole cake, talking about Power Rangers and uh, Alice in Wonderland shit. That's it. Great. Great, great podcast over there talking about great anime. And I like Whole Cake a lot. Um, also, uh, GMing, uh, well, I GM'd season three of Interstitial, which uh, you can go listen to. It's got like, I guess it'll, four episodes out now. Five will be out in a couple days after this. Uh, or you can go listen to the whole season. If you go to our Patreon, give us a dollar or more. Thank you to everybody supporting us on Patreon right now. The reviews are back. It's good. Yeah, no, people love it. Uh, very happy to hear it. Very, very proud of it. Um, but yeah, go listen along weekly or binge it, chat along in the Discord. Thanks for, for everybody checking it out, but we'll plug our Patreon again in a minute, but that's patreon.com slash memorizedcast. Wheels, where can people find you on the internet? Twitter.com slash singular wheels, as well as a podcast called Very Random Encounters. That's where some friends and I play tabletop role-playing games and randomly determine it as much as is possible. We are just starting a new season. A playing new season. D- new, a new character. We are playing Things from the Flood, which is a sequel role-playing game to Tales from the Loop. Now, I normally tell you with VRE seasons that you can start with any season, and that's true, but not true. This t- I mean, you can, and it would still make sense, and we'll explain it to you if you just want to start with the newest one, but it will be a direct sequel to the uh, season of Tales from the Loop that we played, so if you want to see those characters a little younger in the 80s, listen to the, scroll back in the feed to 2018 and listen to the very great Tales from the Loop season, um, and then you can listen to our sequel that we are recording, uh, oh wait, no, fuck, I said all of this. But it's not good. That'll be later. What you'll hear first are mini seasons that are very good. One is Big Bang Superstars, which we played with Grant Howitt and Nathan Blades, uh, which is cosmic a cosmic voguing contest that is buck wild. That's a very fun mini season. After that, we do another mini season with Junie Ruiz playing uh, Logan's game. My co-host Logan, we're playing his game. I'm sure you're wondering why I've gathered you all here this evening. Have you done that mission in Oblivion where you where you go to a haunted ho- where you go to a mansion and you have to kill everyone? Yeah. It's basically that, but the role playing game. It was incredible. After all of that, will be things from the flood. So I realize that's a long explanation, but that's the that's the coming few uh, months of very random encounters. Oh yeah. Uh, what else do we plug for this show? Um, uh, our theme music is now back to being a strange remix. Like, I cannot really prove exists online, but you can find a link to where I found it, uh, in the show notes. What you guys, our Twitter is MemorizedCast, our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash MemorizedCast to get these episodes early. And also, um, our monthly bonus episodes, which will be back to in February. Didn't do one for January. Because uh, I went on vacation and, and edited Interstitial a lot, so you can go listen to that. Uh, but we'll be back in February with something I'm excited to to dig into on the monthly bonus episodes. Taking a break from Elder Scrolls. I'm going to take the reins back for something something new. I'm sick of JoJo. Uh, so that's Patreon over there. 
Um, I think, I don't know, Patreon, Twitter. We have a Discord you can join. You can also join the uh, Discord for the whole podcast network. Go to theorangecups.com. Check that out there. I think that's it. It's a long episode. Thanks for listening. I hope, uh, welcome back to to the peaks. Yeah, thanks for letting us indulge in Twin Peaks, audience. Yep. We'll, uh, we talked before about how they kind of reveal who the killer is halfway through the season. I don't know exactly when that'll time up when we'll be doing those episodes. The season's long. I haven't done the math yet, but I am thinking we might take a break in the middle of the season to do the Kingdom Hearts stuff. After that episode. Yeah, Yeah. because we're expecting Kingdom Hearts stuff in April-ish. So uh, hopefully that lines up well and uh, we'll we'll go back to Kingdom Hearts then, finish up season two, and um, I mean, then it'll be the prequel movie in season three and Kingdom Hearts sprinkled in throughout there. But uh, plenty of Twin Peaks left. Don't know where you can watch it in the States right now, because someone was asking me. I was trying to recap the return. It's going to be so fucked. I'm really excited about it. We're either going to be really long episodes or really short. Yeah. (laughs) I I truly... Cooper's really mean for an hour. (laughs) Yep, that's it. Uh, You did the intro, so it's my turn to say that was uh, season two, episode one, episode eight, which is also the ninth episode, not to be confused with part eight of season <laughs> three. Uh, oh yeah, overall ninth, <laughs> the, the ninth episode, but um, uh, also titled "May the Giant Be With You." Got it, Memorosis. Memorosis.